Thank you for being here this morning. If you're here visiting with us, we're, we welcome you. We're very glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us this morning. We'd invite you back to worship with us at any time that you're able to be here. I'm thankful for the prayer of the morning by Nathan. And if you uh, listen to the words of the prayer, much of what he prayed uh, this morning is the lesson of the morning. You may recall that last month, if you were here with us on the Sunday that I spoke, uh, I, I had you ask yourself a question, and that question was, am I hungry? This morning, I have another question for you, and I hope that you will uh, take the question on the board and apply it to yourself this morning. What am I waiting on? You know, the beauty of a question like that, and I recognize that grammatically it's incorrect because you don't end a sentence with a preposition there, but um, upon what am I waiting? What am I waiting on? What thoughts come to mind when you ask yourself the question, what am I waiting on? I'm certain that many of us, when we hear that question, what am I waiting on, it's as if there's something to be done, and surely there is. But waiting, as I have it on the board, is very different this morning. Waiting is something that is core according to the scriptures in a Christian life. So before we begin this morning, I want you to think for a minute, what are you waiting on? As we start the lesson this morning, I would encourage you to take a Bible or if you have a, a phone or some other device and follow along in the scriptures. I have all of the scriptures on the board and as usual, a majority of them come from the King James Version. However, uh, the, the base scripture, that from Ephesians, which uh, Monty Paul read this morning, I have from the New King James Version just so uh, we get the feel for and the understanding of the core principle we're looking for. What are you waiting on? In Isaiah, the 40th chapter, back in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah said in the 40th chapter, in verse 29, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we look at the words of Isaiah the prophet, and we see as he begins this group of verses, he's talking about something that we see a need for strength. What we see a need for is a need for grace, a need for mercy. How do we see that? It talks about weariness. It talks about weakness. It talks about those flaws and those failures that people have as humans. 
But I want you to notice there in verse 31, it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, Isaiah said a lot here for you and I as Christians. Oftentimes when we think of the, the word wait there, we think of someone who is standing there looking at their watch, hoping something will happen, hoping that someone will come. But the word wait there that Isaiah uses is that of a server, that of a waiter, that of one who is waiting or serving another. What Isaiah said was, those who serve, those who are waiters, if you will, for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Are you a waiter? What are you waiting on this morning? I want to start there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and look at Paul's words here as he talks to you and I as sons and daughters of God. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 7, Paul writes, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Who is the giver here? You'll notice that Paul is very clear about who is giving here. The giver is Christ, the Son of God, the Savior. And what did he give? You'll notice here it says he gave gifts, but who did he give them to? Are you gifted this morning? Have you received anything? Let's be realistic here. You know, in many times when we ask the question, are you gifted? In our minds, we start to compare ourselves to others around us or those we know. We start to look at who has more blessings than the other. Who had more opportunities than the other. But I want to make this clear about Paul's words. I want you to notice that. What's been underlined here says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You know what Paul said? You know who got left out? You know who didn't get grace? Who didn't get a gift from Christ? Wouldn't you like to go now? Well, I, I didn't. <laughs> see, because I can see where this is going. Now there's going to be responsibility that comes with it, and now there's going to be some expectation on me. But I want to make it very clear from the beginning what Paul said. Now let's stop for a moment. You know, Paul was an apostle. He was number 13.
I wonder if what Paul meant was this, that to each of us apostles were given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Is that a possibility? Is it possible that what he really meant was those of us who were in a position that set apart from other children of God, it's those of us that actually received grace and a gift from Christ. It wouldn't make much sense that he would write that in a letter to the church at Ephesus, would it? You see, this wasn't the letter to the apostles. This was a letter to the church at Ephesus in which he said, each one of us. But let's see what he says. If you skip there to verse 11, in verse 11 it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Grace was given in the gift of Christ to the apostles, to evangelists, to pastors and teachers. Why? Why was grace given that we would need apostles and prophets and evangelists, elders, pastors and teachers, why would grace be given to them? You ever thought of that? Is there some special recognition in an apostle? Is there some great benefit that is received by being a prophet, a speaker, an orator, according to grace and the gift of Christ? It's not what Paul said. Paul said this. Paul said he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. You know what Paul said? Paul said this. Paul said that Christ, through his grace, gave each one of us gifts. Why? Because every single child of God, every son of and every daughter of the Most High God is a minister this morning. You know, it'd be a lot easier if it was just up to the apostles and the prophets and the elders and the evangelists, and it was their responsibility. But you know what Paul said? Paul said this. Paul said if Christ is going to be relevant in Pampa, Texas, 
then his body has to be full of ministers. Which ministers are important? Why don't you look at Romans, the 12th chapter. In Romans, the 12th chapter, Paul writing to the Romans, as we've just finished up our study uh, in the book of Romans, Romans, the 12th chapter, if we go back there, says in verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness." Notice what Paul said there. Paul often used the analogy of the body so that the saints would understand the body of Christ. You see, as an apostle, he said he was sent to show the mysteries of God, to show the Word of God to the Gentiles. And he often used that analogy of the body and the way it worked together. And as he begins it here in Romans, the 12th chapter, he says, guess what? According to the grace of God, we all have gifts differing one from another. And whatever your gift may be, use it. And you notice he said there are some who prophesy, and you know what they need to do? They need to prophesy. But we all have different gifts, but here's the point Paul was making. No matter what part or what gift or what measure of grace you may have, use it. Why? Because every single one of us this morning are ministers. First Peter, the fourth chapter, Peter writes it this way in First Peter 4 and verse 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Heard an analogy one time about the church, and I think it's fitting here. When we think about the church, what type of ship do we think of? You ever thought of that? Are we here this morning as the body of Christ on a cruise ship or a battleship? What's the difference between the two? Cruise ship gets you out on the water. Battleship gets you out on the water. You know the difference between the two? Difference between the two are the servants on board. Think about that. If you have a cruise ship, a cruise ship is defined as a small group of people who have put together an itinerary to entertain a large group of people. Isn't that right? You go on a cruise ship, there's a small group of people who 
put on a show for and entertain and make sure you enjoy your time. That's very different than a battleship, isn't it? I wonder how many of us have been on a battleship. I'm sure there are some in this room who have actually served on a battleship. I didn't. My mother did. She was on the USS Lexington at the time that they retired it and put it in the bay at Corpus Christi. You know, I got to tour that battleship. You ever get a chance to go to Corpus Christi and you're able? It's a wonderful experience. But here's what you know about a battleship. There's no one on a battleship that they're to be entertained. Not a one. Thought of that? Man your battle station. You think those words would ever be said on a cruise ship? Or a battleship? Let's think about that. You know, on a battleship... My biological mother was a medic. That's what she did. That's what she was on board the USS Lexington to do. She didn't fly a plane. She didn't guide those planes in. She didn't cook on board that battleship. She was on the medical staff. But I wonder if we got rid of the pilots and we said, you guys and gals... We're just here to put on a show for you. You don't have to fly anymore. Or I wonder if, if we took the flight crews that guide those ships in and make sure they come in safely. I wonder if we said, you know what, y'all stand down. No more work for you. When the battle comes, we're going to let everybody else work. What good would that battleship be? Would the work of the battleship get done? You know, when we, we look at the church in that regard, and I realize if we take that analogy too far out that it's going to fall apart, but I hope you understand what we're looking at there. That what Paul said is the same thing Peter said. That every one of us have been given grace. And through that grace, Christ has given us gifts. And our gifts differ one from another, but every single gift is important. I want you to notice that Peter said the same thing here that Paul had said, as every man have to receive the gift. You know, oftentimes when we look at the scriptures, a, a term like that could look at it and go, well, see, you guys are in trouble. And you ladies, if you look at that verse and you say, see, that was left up to the men. Then you miss the verse. Because Peter said this. Peter said, guess what, ladies? Gentlemen. Children. I wonder, does this verse apply to the young?
we go back to Ephesians 4 chapter, it says, Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want to go back here. Now I want you to notice verse 13, how it starts out. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. You notice that there's no age distinction there. You notice that there's no retirement from the ministry, the ministering. And what's the purpose of it? The purpose of that unity is that we speak the truth in love and grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means to be a minister, a servant. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means to be Christ-like. Why? Because through his gift, through his grace, he's given every single one of us a gift. And he's put it in the body. And that body is fitly knit together. Every one of us having a gift to serve. You know, Peter said this of Christ's ministry. In Acts 10, chapter and verse 38, this is Peter who is speaking of Christ. He said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. I want you to notice what Peter said Jesus did. Just in a short phrase, here's what he said about Christ's ministry. He said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He was the Son of God. He was given all power. Did he come as a king to be entertained? And the answer is no. Christ himself said he came not to be served, but to serve. And yet the Son of God, you know what he did? He went around doing good. Matthew, the fifth chapter, says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What does that mean? You'll notice that I highlighted one part, your good works. 
You ever tried to get out of that responsibility by going, no, but see, the good is really the Lord, and the only good that is done is the Lord. See, it's not me. Wouldn't we really like to shove off the responsibility and say, well, the only good is the Lord? And that's not what Christ said. Christ said this, you are my hands. You are my feet. You are my eyes. You are my ears. You are my heart. And the only way the world is going to come to me is if they see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. What are you waiting on this morning? You know, a church is only as strong as its weakest part. You ever thought of that? You see, Jesus put the body together. Jesus joined it just right. And he joined it in love. And he gave us all the tools we need to use our gift, whatever it may be, to the glory of the Father. If you're not a child of God this morning, if you haven't been obedient to his will, if you haven't confessed his name and put on Christ in baptism, we plead with you to do that this morning, to become a child of God. If you are a child of God and there's something that we can pray with you or for you, we encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.